0: have very traditional sports events and organizations that are also starting to, to lean into what does it mean to have the athlete at the center of what's happening around an event and how can we tap into an athlete and that intimate connection they have with their fan to really promote the product uh, in its totality. And so I think those lines are getting more blurred in 2019 2020.
1: Hey everybody, that's Dave Sethi, head of sports at Instagram on this episode of the bond we dive into how social platforms have changed the game for fans and celebs and trust me dave knows he spent the last 15 years as a leader at google youtube whistle sports complex and now instagram he shares in the pod which athletes and properties are leading the charge and how he is trying to eliminate any friction between fan and talent we also explore how instagram watches the hacks from their audience to help them innovate and constantly be better That's pretty cool. We start with Dave going down memory lane to his first fan experience as an elementary school kid being pushed on the playground by an NFL Hall of Famer. There's
0: a couple of different experiences that that come to mind. One is actually... A fan experience that had nothing to do with being on the field. So in kindergarten, I think it was kindergarten, um, I went to the same school as Art Monk's daughter, <laughs> and and it was kind of nuts because I have this very very stick memory of being in class with her and the rest of us, you know, little tykes. And after school, everybody's on the playground, and Art Monk who. After I mentioned this brief story, no surprise that he's my favorite player of all time. Our monk would come to you know pick his daughter up after class or after school whenever he could, and while his daughter was playing with her friends, our monk would actually take the time to push some of the boys on the swings <laughs> while his daughter was playing. And as if as if you don't idolize your favorite franchise's you know biggest name football players as it is to have that kind of personal connection with. Uh, with you know now Hall of Famer was uh, was incredible, and for him to take the time to do that, um, just was just really amazing. So that was a real off the field experience at a very young age. As far as you know, moments that stand out as far as being a fan again are my first memories of being a fan. Redskins winning the Super Bowl. I was seven years old, and so unfortunately, that's the last time they've won the Super Bowl. Uh, so, so winning early days, and now a lot of uh, a lot more pain and misery as a, as a Redskins fan. Um, you know, the other two again at a relatively young age. Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive games record. Uh, that was in '95, so I was 11 at the time. But hard not to remember that, and I think a lot of the narrative around that was actually. How that singular event was actually keeping fans interested in the game at a time when there was a lot of dispute and a lot of issues with uh, with the MLB and MLBPA. So that was amazing as an Orioles fan to see that, and then you know, the other two, again, at a relatively young age, Notre Dame FSU game of the century, one versus two, uh, which I think cemented my being a, a lifelong Notre Dame fan and, and uh, Mm -hmm. sort of cemented my passion and obsession with Indy early days in my life. And then, You know, lastly, and I was was actually watching clips of this the other day, just reliving that McGuire-Sosa home run battle in 98. Um, Again, I was a little older at the time. I was 14. But, um, again, to have the entire, you know, sports-watching world, not just baseball fans, be captivated by this amazing home run battle, which ultimately was a little bit tarnished, uh, as as we all came to find. But I just remember – I, I actually I can't remember that many instances of must much watch TV in baseball and that whole summer and fall was must watch TV as a baseball fan.
1: yeah it's interesting all those are, are in different contexts I mean one the swing is great art monk most don't have that the unique story like that but some of those are your favorite sports because it's where you lived and that's what you grew up on. One's a a college you went to and the other is just falling in love with a sport and a pastime because TV made it compelling all summer long.
0: Absolutely. And I thought the coverage was, was amazing. When you think about the, the way in which the, you know, the home run record was broken, the fact that it was two guys that were going after it instead of one, it, it sort of, you know, took the singularity out of this one man on his own journey to break the record, but it's not only trying to break the record, you're also trying to break it first, which out of this entirely unique uh, subplot on top of the major plot of just trying to get past 61. So, uh, so yeah, that, that whole summer was amazing as a baseball fan, but also just a sports fan. I can still remember even for all three of those memories, um, whether it's Cal or Notre Dame FSU or McGuire Sosa, you know, my immigrant parents who didn't grow up with these sports being equally captivated um, across all three of those memories and in different sports altogether, which, again, for me was super impactful as I've now essentially made a career out of out of sports.
1: Yeah. And, and outside of art swinging you all of those other. Uh, engagements, let's say, are passive in that you're sitting there watching on TV, or maybe you're in the stands watching. The world has shifted quite a bit. And as you said, you live it every single day at Instagram. W- w- what do you think the world would look like now if McGuire Sosa was in 2019?
0: That's a great question. Well, one, I think it'd be a lot easier to follow that storyline than it was back then, and that's on a global basis as well. I mean, we already knew that baseball was global in terms of its participation in various countries around the world and uh, as we just have gone past the World Series, which is represented by a number of countries. But I think being a fan and following as a fan, even a casual one at that, has gotten so much easier given where all this content lives today in ways that are a lot different than uh than when i was growing up so if i missed mcguire hitting that line drive over the fence to break the record you know i'd only be watching that i'd have to be glued to my tv at you know 7 p.m to catch sports center or you know catching it on prime time to make sure that i saw that highlight and i saw the reaction i saw the post-game interview the post-game interviews changed as well, right? It could just be McGuire or Sosa having tweeted or having posted on Instagram stories, their personal first-person reaction to all these things. And so that level of intimacy and access, I think, has changed dramatically in terms of that relationship between the athlete, uh, the event, the moment, and the fan.
1: Where, where is that balance between the live experience And the social digital first experience that, as you suggest, you know, starts maybe with an Instagram story fresh out of a a game and before a press conference. Is there a balance or does it keep shifting more towards digital first?
0: I think it's shifting, uh, although it depends on the sport, to be honest. and, And obviously, given these are professional products and you've got a lot of, of money at stake and you have a lot of interested parties at stake, um, with a lot to gain and a lot to lose. There are, are those certain guardrails, so to speak. So whether it's the NFL putting sort of a moratorium on when players can be on social leading up to the game versus, uh, when they need to to be sort of blacked out or even teams and athletes themselves in, imposing those sorts of requirements. I think there's that element, but then, you know, fast forward into 2020 around, around the Tokyo Olympics, you know, it, we'll see how it all shakes out. But I think you have very traditional sports events and organizations that are also starting to, to lean into what does it mean to have the athlete at the center of what's happening around an event? And how can we tap into an athlete and that intimate connection they have with their fan to really promote the product Uh, in its totality and so I think those lines are getting more blurred in 2019 2020 than they were before and I think the fan is ultimately the one who stands to benefit the most because at the end of the day we've gone through this shift where you know whether it's media companies teams leagues athletes they're all starting to meet the consumer where they are Mm. as opposed to having the consumer meet them uh, where they are choosing to be met and I think that is a fundamental shift. And, you know, frankly, the economics have changed a lot around that too. And that's, um, I think caused a lot of, um, challenge and opportunity at times, but I think meeting the fans where they are and understanding that if these are the places and platforms where fans want to consume, how do we actually share with share content with MLB resonance as opposed to trying to sort of keep them in the past, um, and, and keeping, you know that legacy alive when when fans have clearly shown an appetite to consume differently.
1: Who who then is a first mover or an early adopter in taking advantage of what you just said and uh, creating a business around where the fans are and engaging that way, be it league, team, or brand.
0: So I think the NBA has long been discussed as the most innovative league uh, of pretty much any professional sports league. And and I think for good reason, because uh, they embraced social and digital uh, in a big way when other organizations were, I don't want to say clinging to the past, because that's a little bit of an unfair characterization. But when you have these legacy businesses that are so substantial that you're a little less... Uh, receptive or a little less nimble in terms of how you pursue something new and innovative. And the NBA um, has, has adopted a very different mentality from what I've seen in a partnerships role, but also having observed as a consumer. And whether that's the yeah, level of access that fans have today with the NBA's product across all of digital and social, I'm thinking you know, as recently as providing uh, the ability to access fourth quarter content, as opposed to purchasing uh, an entire days or weeks or, or seasons worth of content, I think is incredibly innovative. But if you take a step back to, you know, circa 2012, 2013, the NBA was really one of the first leagues on a global basis to uh, to enable fans curators etc to actually leverage their library of content and create new compelling content or post highlights on a platform like youtube so where whereas other leagues and rights holders are trying to actively take content down you have the nba that's actually embracing this part of the ecosystem as a way to market their product and so the nba i think for any number of reasons is incredibly innovative um you know i I had the the good fortune of being on a panel with julian edelman uh somewhat recently around hashtag sports and that conference back in june i think it was and i love using him as an example because you've got this kent state quarterback rat who's a receiver who has you know made a limited number of appearances in things like pro bowls or all-star games and things like that yet he has been one of the most successful athletes of really any sport in building a business on social but also just really at the, at the core of that engaging fans on social and so i love using him as an example because um, outside of of his core market of playing in new england for them you know for his career he's really done a great job of establishing a digital footprint and a lot of that has to do with being really intentional about how he engages and how he innovates, whether it's uh, creating mid and long form video content to, uh, you know, building the shopping and merch use case for athletes, which again, I think we're seeing a lot of people adopt now um, versus, you know, three, four five years ago. So really, have really enjoyed watching him as sort of a pioneer in a lot of that. Um, but those are a couple that come to mind for sure. Um, as far as the NBA on the league side and on the athlete side, Julian Edelman. So b- besides,
1: if you take Julian, besides the idea of building out the shopping and the merch and creating different length videos based on what his fan base uh, wants, what about, does he interact, does he post and then all the comments come and then he's replying to those comments? It, does that, how much of that actually matters when you talk about he's embraced engagement?
0: Yeah, I think that that's sort of generally been a theme with you know the the newer wave of athletes who are a little more homegrown on social, embracing the fact that these platforms were built for two-way communication. So, uh, being able to lean into that and almost cementing a fan base, if you will, uh, I think the, the athletes who are the most engaged are the ones who really lean into the fact that they have the ability to start and engage a dialogue with their fans and with, you know, even their non-fans as it were. And so whether it's Julian Edelman doing that, whether it's the Juju Smith Schuster is using the interactivity tools that are on my platform with Instagram. I think the ones who are winning ultimately are the ones who have listening ears and are listening and paying attention to what their audience wants and and what they're saying. And then taking that a step further and engaging. One of the coolest things I think we've seen in this preseason for the NFL is you've got a rookie for the new England Patriots posting a piece of content on, on Instagram. And the top three comments are his teammates who follow him on Instagram responding and commenting there. And so you actually have a great example of athletes participating in this ecosystem on social and, uh, and also engaging with their fans as well. Um, I think uh, again, when that happens in a really, Uh, spontaneous way that's that's really the special sauce that i think you can get on social in places that you can't get elsewhere
1: and that can only increase right i mean you've got half the league that are 30 plus across all the leagues where they didn't grow up on social first but everyone else who's coming into the league now at 19 20 21 years old they did so you can only imagine that engagement jumps in the future
0: absolutely I, I i say it a lot when i speak with partners and when i speak at events and that is we are on the precipice of essentially inheriting this tailwind of of athletes as creators and who are all homegrown on these platforms and creating content on instagram or twitter or youtube is is far more natural than it was for those who have had to adopt who have had to adopt these platforms and so you see that next wave whether it's you know, in football, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. In baseball, you have Alex Bregman. In basketball, you have guys like Kyle Kuzma who really lean into these platforms as a way to build their brand and, and engage and also a place where they're engaging each other, which I think is, if uh, not a departure, it's, it's a newer behavior than it was, say, 5, 10, 15 years ago, where this, uh, this concept of athletes engaging each other, of competitors engaging each other, uh, for the world to see um, has, has really fascinated folks. And I think that's, again, some of that special stuff that you see occurring on platforms like Instagram and Twitter. And again, I, for me being in this role on Instagram, it's a place we want to continue uh, athletes feeling like they're at home and comfortable having that kind of engagement with their fans and with each other.
1: You've spent 15 years at Google, YouTube, Whistle, Complex, and now head of sports at Instagram. What's what's been the miss? What have leagues or brands, teams, rights holders missed in this intersection?
0: I think in an ideal world, everybody would move a little bit faster um, and, and really continue to embrace what's happening on these platforms and the fact that a place like Instagram has... 320 to, you know, probably closer to 400 million sports fans. Uh, I think there's, there, there's an opportunity to lean in even further, um, and not be so beholden to, uh, to some of the legacy models that exist. And I think we're, we're starting to see with the newer deals that have come to shape, um, how digital and social have become a far bigger part of, of what's being contemplated. Um, I think, you know, there. There's a general playbook around how, you know, how these partners can be successful on these platforms. You know, I also want to say there is a bit of a miss on the platform side, too. So I don't Mm -hmm. want to say that we've completely nailed this. I think there's this tension of, well, I'm on, on one side of my mouth. I'm saying, hey, all these partners should really lean into platforms like Instagram and Facebook. On the other side, I'm saying abandon these legacy businesses that have been highly lucrative for a lot of our partners in the past um, and abandon them for something that, again, is a little more economically challenged. But I want to be mindful that we have a long way to go in terms of serving the interests of our business partners and how are we building tools And building real value that is going to take friction out of some of the considerations and decisions that our partners have to make. And so it's why I'm particularly excited that we have products like Instagram Shopping and Checkout that actually remove some of that friction um, and actually provide real business value to our partners so that they can take advantage of that. And as opposed to feeling like every time they make an investment in social or digital, that they're actually... um, that they're actually having to to make an investment without any return, that we're actually providing that return, because it shouldn't be a, cons- a consideration of, well, I'm making a trade-off doing this, which means I can't make a trade-off of doing something else that's important to our business. Ideally, social and digital are a big part of their businesses, and we're providing those tools and resources to actually make them successful.
1: Mm. Any technology you've seen Or uh, fan interaction At a venue, festival, stadium That uh, jumps off I i, I point to the, the hologram And the 3D usage of the bust Of the NFL Hall of Fame Anything else you've seen That kind of mixes the digital uh, New age with the live aspect Of interaction?
0: Yeah, I think the AR piece in general Is really interesting, right? And if you listen to Our fearless leader, Mark Zuckerberg, talk about AR. It's absolutely what he views as a big part of the future of these platforms and how fans engage. And I think you do see that in real-time events that you just mentioned um, in sort of heightening the fan experience live, but also um, on social and digital for fans who also want to participate in that. And, you know, I think if you look at Complex as an example, um, and and I'm a little biased, obviously, given given I used to work there, but, you know, what they've done around that experience with their live event, ComplexCon, and actually partnering with companies to do essentially the 2018, 2019 version of Drops, but... Drops where you have to actually consume and participate in an AR experience to unlock some new content or or a new piece of product, I think is absolutely fascinating. And frankly, we've only scratched the surface of what AR is going to do from a fan perspective. Um, You know, we just announced on the Instagram side. Opening up our partner program. So, uh, really enabling third parties to develop AR for our platform and on the story surface. And what I'm really excited about is the fact that, you know, we can. We can surmise a guess around what innovation will look like, but it's until you actually put that power in the hands of creators that you really see uh, what the results can be and where the innovation is going to come from. And So whether it's on Instagram or on Snapchat, we've seen those live examples. We've seen athlete-driven examples, but I think we've only scratched the surface of what that's going to truly mean, And um, and hopefully there's a lot more to come. Hmm.
1: And when you are when you are live on site as either a fan or as an Instagram employee, what do you see the change of that interaction between talent and fan? Sir, could you say it one more time? Yeah, just the interaction that you see with a fan and athlete or coach or celebrity or influencer. Now, I mean, there seems to be more of you. Just you, you don't even want to high five. You want to turn around and see if you can quickly get a selfie. Just more of what that interaction that you see, either as a fan going to an event or maybe you're there on behalf of Instagram, and therefore you're you're closer to the action.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I, I, I'm almost trying to predict what the the 2022 version of the autograph will be right. The same way that the selfie has become the, has taken the traditional autograph and brought a whole another layer to that. And, you know, I'm not sure what that will be. I know that we've had, you know, athletes in the past who have tried to unlock, you know, sort of highly personal and curated experiences. I don't know how that necessarily scales. Um, you know, I wonder if there is, um, a more personalized component when, you know, when at and and the NBA were were sharing their vision of the future at a recent summit back in February, you know, they talked a lot about how personalized the fan experience will be in the future, you know, around the jersey that a fan wears to what kind of content they consume. And I, I'm curious how the athlete sort of takes part in that. I, I honestly couldn't tell you what that, what that will look like. All I know is that the barriers – are quickly eroding and as athletes become even bigger marketers of the NBA or NFL or MLB product, you know, what will that innovation look like? I I look at the NBA or sorry, the MLB all-star game uh, this past year as almost an example of how, of how, you know, what that experience could look like in the future. If you remove every barrier, right. If you had, you know, if you had a player like Freddie Freeman mic'd up, during his at-bat, of which he ultimately struck out, but he's giving you real-time commentary. Is there a world we could all envision in 5, 10, 15 years where that's the level of access that talent is delivering to their fan base? I mean, I, I could think of... of no better example of how close and, and intimate a fan could be to an athlete experience and literally living that play-by-play as it's happening. And so I wonder, you know, if you take an experiment like the MLB all-star game with how they produce that event uh, from, from a variety of different camera perspectives to the mics, to the access to talent, is there a future where we're actually moving closer to that level of access than, than today's level of access?
1: How much do you guys go into the replies and comments uh, of fans of everything and change what you do in terms of just your own R&D and thinking about the future of Instagram?
0: Yeah, there are two ways I think about that. One is some of the best innovation we've seen on Instagram has come from observing literally how our partners and how our users essentially hack the platform <laughs> right so <laughs> so so one example being the Q&A sticker as an interactivity tool for stories we noticed that that users and partners alike were using stories as a way to ask their audience questions and reply. So why not just build that use case out on their behalf and make that really, really lightweight and easy to do as opposed to hacking their way to to a format that clearly everyone stood to benefit from. So, so absolutely looking at that user behavior, looking at comments, understanding how fans and, and athletes are engaging and building something that's special. I mean, that's essentially what, what you know, one of the reasons I think Checkout exists on Instagram is you see a point of friction in the fan experience in buying something that they clearly are inspired to buy. How do we build a product around that that takes that friction out of the marketplace and enables consumers to to be inspired to buy quickly, buy, and then go back to their consumer experience on the flip side. Not that we're you know combing through comments per se on, a, on an individual basis, but. I think a lot about athlete and user well-being and learning and understanding the interactions that athletes have with fans and non-fans and how do do I contribute to, how does my team contribute to the concept of Instagram trying to be the safest, kindest platform around and You know, fortunately, there's a lot of fan engagement on our platform. Unfortunately, you also see sort of the negative side of that engagement, which um, obviously has been in in the news and trades in the recent months and even as recent as this past week. So understanding what that behavior looks like and in the spirit of being a safe and kind platform, how do we make sure that when fans and, and athletes and partners are engaging each other, that it's not in the cesspool per se, but it's actually a place where uh, we're facilitating those interactions and that those interactions are generally positive.
1: We we started with Art Monk pushing you on the swing. Let's close with more recently best fan experience you've had at a live event.
0: Oh man. Um, boy, that's, I've been so fortunate in this role to, to go to different experiences that I otherwise might not be able to go to. And was fortunate enough to go to the final four this past year um, and see what may go down as one of the greatest final fours uh, of recent memory at, at the very least and seeing UVA um, win that game and against Texas tech, but also the play in which they even made the final. It, it's amazing to see four different fan bases come together and then experience the kind of basketball that, that they experienced and that I was able to experience. So that, that would definitely be at or near the top of my list of, of a recent memory. Um, you know, I also I had a bucket list item as a as a a young fan of Notre Dame, but also as a, a Virginia native. And that was at some point getting to Blacksburg and seeing the entrance of the Virginia Tech football team and that whole enter Sandman experience. And I was fortunate enough to get to watch my Fighting Irish play a night game in Blacksburg last year, um, a game which Notre Dame won, uh, a great game. But getting to see that game at night and experience the enter Sandman, uh, that whole thing, that, that whole entrance, seeing it firsthand, and really Blacksburg is such a special place for college football. And to be able to watch my alma mater play there, was really unique and an experience I may not get again. So, uh, so hard to, hard to forget that one for sure.
1: And that's the bond. There's plenty more to come.